Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Bright This Way, the podcast that interviews the culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground and inviting you to make your own mark. Mr. Rogers had a famous quote that stated, when I was a boy and would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. This global pandemic has been no exception as the restaurant industry has not only been severely impacted, but also are very much on the front lines. It's easy to spot those who are rising to the challenge at great personal cost. And if you live in Atlanta, chances are good that you've experienced the magic and delight of 20-year-old Atlanta staple, Super Jenny. Super Jenny is a small, homey place full of whimsy and personality that serves homemade delicious soups, sandwiches, and salads, and typically has lines out the door. And as Super Jenny locations have moved all to curbside takeout and delivery, without the regular traffic, their business has been impacted just like so many other restaurants. But founder... Jenny Levison has always had a heart for serving and is now feeding people who are out of work for free right now. She also has a nonprofit called the Zadie Project, where they feed Atlanta's hungry children, families, and seniors. Sheesh, how did she do it? Jenny Levison and I are both in Jesse Itzler's Build Your Life resume group and community. So I've been watching her consistently push her own limits and her spirit is bursting with surprises. I had to know more. Jenny thinks differently. Her background is outrageous. She is a culture changer and is a great example of pushing beyond your limits to do more and rise up to help others. And before I get to our interview, I wanted to ask you to subscribe to my blog called Sticky Notes. A couple of times a week, you'll get a short, thought-provoking note of an area to focus on and something fun to help you start your day. I hope you'll stay connected with me at allisonhair.com and subscribe. And speaking of subscribing, through whatever platform you're listening to, please subscribe. And lastly, do you know someone who is in the hospitality industry? I hope you'll think of the people you know who are always looking to serve and share this episode. And now to my chat with Jenny Levison of Super Jenny. We are here with Jenny Levison of the famed Super Jenny. So if you've been in Atlanta for a while, Super Jenny is kind of a mainstay. It's a very unique concept of a, several restaurants that primarily serve soup. But everything is, as far as I can tell, is organically kind of put together, sustainable, really good for the soul. But you've been such an incredible community member and beacon of hope for a lot of people for a lot of different ways. So as I was thinking about the coronavirus and this new kind of world, I've been thinking about the people that have been stepping up and really becoming leaders and helping and always looking to take a hand up. And your name kept coming up over and over again as somebody who does that. And so for me, I want to thank you for it. But then I started learning about your story. And oh my God, Jenny. What? <laughs> so tell me, take me back to your days of acting and then how you came across food and the service industry, because I think it is such a phenomenal. I have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this. And I think in so many cases, entrepreneurs stumble into how they present to the world, what their business is. 
And it usually presents itself in kind of unique ways that are packaged in ways you would have never thought otherwise. So if you wouldn't mind, welcome to Bright This Way. <laughs> Please tell me a little background. Sure. Well, I mean, I'll say right off, I was always interested in food. So that's definitely the big center of my life. I was born in Atlanta and lived here till I was about eight. Uh, and then my parents were divorced. And my mother was actually a pretty well-known radio journalist back in the day. And I ended up moving moving to Los Angeles with her and my two older brothers stayed in Atlanta. So as I grew up, I fell in love with the acting world and ended up going uh, to study theater at Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And as most actors had a job, always a side job in the restaurant business. And I lived in New York. I was sort of did some soap opera work and regional theater work. But I, in the meantime, I had always worked in a restaurant and I started moving around and I was started off waiting tables and then I was interested in management and somehow sort of worked my way back to the kitchen. I was actually back in Atlanta doing a play and came across another entrepreneur here in Atlanta who's since moved away and she had a catering business and was looking to open a storefront. And I just sort of had this opportunity to jump in with absolutely zero experience to test out. I've always sort of cooked, but I wouldn't say I was a skill any skill, but I liked it and I had I wasn't afraid to try things. So I ended up opening this sort of tiny sandwich shop in my original Super Jenny location in Buckhead and just sort of started from there in this in very tiny way with just one other person that was a friend of mine that I coerced into helping me out. And over the next couple of years, I realized, you know, I really love this. I want to do something bigger in a bigger way. And instead of going back to school and really learning how to cook, I decided I wanted to travel around the world and learn how to cook through meeting people in other countries. So really, that was sort of the catalyst to my switch over from the acting world as I took this, I was married at the time. So that's another story in there. But uh, we took a 18 month trip around the world and we hit about 24 countries. I would just anyone I'd meet, it could be on the street in someone's home, I would try to get some kind of recipe from them. And did you have a grand plan? for it or was it just kind of what you like? <laughs> I really didn't. I wasn't smart enough then to probably really have a grand plan. I just really wanted to sort of gather what I could and then decide when I came back. My original intention, I think, that I was going to possibly open a restaurant with my husband. And then as we got closer to coming back, I really started looking at all these recipes I'd gathered and about 90% of them were soups from all these different countries. And that was really just my aha moment of I think I want to make soup. This is something where I felt I could tackle. It's more about the prep and labor than huge skill set, which I felt I still didn't. I'm a good cook, but I'm not properly trained really. So I was still walking in with no experience. So I came back and I started Super Jenny, really cooking out of other people's kitchens. I didn't even have my own. And it just sort of grew from there year by year, adding people, adding things to the menu. Uh, and then all of a sudden I look up and it's 20 years later. So here's what I think is so interesting is that 20 years ago to have good locally sourced organic 
fruits and vegetables and that kind of thing. That was really counterculture. I mean, 20 years ago, there were tons of chains. There still are. And I think that you kind of have waved the flag or kind of going against the grain in Buckhead of all places. What was it like kind of being out there on your own? And I don't know if it was specific to having a healthier lifestyle, because whenever I've gone into a super Jenny, it always seems very like home cooking, but not loaded with butter and loaded with salt. Everything was just from the earth, kind of delicious and made with love. Like you can taste the love that's in there. And even the decor is just so cute. So what has that been like kind of going against the grain? Well, I think when I started, I grew up, for me, I feel I grew up in Southern California, which was, you know, such a home for fresh seasonal food, especially lots of produce and lots of fruits and vegetables. So I was really just making what I wanted to eat. And I think that our community was ready, especially being in the South, we were ready to start eating a healthier diet. And 20 years ago, we were definitely one of the first on the scene doing, except for those like, let us surprise you chain that were around for a while. There was no one just offering a fresh variety of salads and fast casual dining. So I did my due diligence. I went to New York and all the places where I thought they were a little ahead of Atlanta and sort of got my ideas and my inspiration from that. I went and visited the Soup Nazi and I did all those things that... How is that? It was just like on Seinfeld. He was like the same person, <laughs> but it was a good product. And it, I love that my idea was that I wanted to sell this one product, soup, and that's what he did. So that it always appealed to me to offer like one or two things grown a little bit from there. But when I first opened, I really just wanted to have soup and bread and that was it. But then you realize, oh, well, I might have to have this to be able to pay my bills and have a staff. So I never felt like I was some kind of pioneer anything. I always felt like I was doing what sort of interests me and my family. I just sort of started from there. So tell me about the Zadie Project, because you sound like you are inspired by kind of what you like, which is a great place to be from an entrepreneur perspective. But your outreach in the community and what you've done is a much greater purpose than just satisfying your own interests. Right. So tell me more about Zadie Project. Well, the Zadie Project, we started three years ago, which is a 501c3. And it came about that every year I gather my entire staff, we close for one day, all the stores, and we come together. And it's sort of a mixture of a gigantic meeting summit of what's happening financially for us, but what our goals are, what our dreams of what we've accomplished and what we want to do going forward. And I just remember coming together with my whole team. We have about close to 40 people at saying, you know, I feel that we're at this point. When I first started Super Jenny, I really wanted to become an Atlanta institution. That was like, this is what I want to do. If I'm not going to be a star on Broadway, I'm going to do it this way. And so that's what's important to me is to be part of the community. And I realized after so many years worrying about making money, that it was really time to give back in a bigger way to my community. And that when you're in the restaurant industry or any kind of really industry, you're often asked to donate and donate your time 
time, which we all do, but I wanted to do it on an everyday basis. So when you were coming to our business, it was like natural. You're just part of it. You buy turkey chili, you know, you're in it. So I came up with this, what I thought was important to me. I wanted to service kids and families in the Title I school system. There's the homeless population. And then there's that in-between ground of the people that are working, their kids in school, but they're really struggling to make it still. Sometimes you're deciding between paying your rent and paying for groceries. So that was sort of the niche I was looking to service. And so I just, the name Zadie, Zadie is a Yiddish word for grandfather. So my dad is the Zadie in our family. And he really gave me my very first recipe, which is my dad's turkey chili, our biggest seller. So I named it after him. And then it just started very small that like anytime someone bought turkey chili, all the money went goes to our nonprofit. So you come to our store and you're a customer, whether you want to or not, you've sort of like supported our cause of feeding our community. So that was one aspect of it. We started by donating 30 quarts of soup, I think our first week. And we just did it all through volunteers. And three years in, we're donating 650 quarts a week. And it goes to kids in the Title I school system and their families. It goes to some senior living facilities that don't have access to fresh food. Basically, anyone who's in a food desert, but they're trying to make it. They're just struggling. So it's been incredible. We have a farm at our West Side location that's sort of a piece of that. We use it for farm education, food education. We do tours. We grow food, of course, and then we sell it back to the nonprofit to make the soups with. So how about, that's amazing. And it's actually something that is really important to me. So I live in Old Fourth Ward and- I just moved to Pont City Market. Oh my goodness. I've been here about eight weeks. It must be insane that it's closed downstairs. Yes, it's very cool. Yeah, we'll have to get together. But yeah, I live right down the street from you. And the elementary school here is a Title I school. And I volunteered at that school as an academic mentor and on the foundation board for six years and got to see firsthand what it was like and for people that were struggling. So I think that food is what fuels people's brain power and ability to function and to learn and to do all those things. I'm wondering how viable is it for somebody, a restaurateur, somebody who's running a business to also run a nonprofit? How do you do it? How do you handle the logistics of all of that and still maintain a profit? Well, so the nonprofit is separate from our restaurant. So that's completely separate. As far as the restaurant goes, that we have an incredible team. Like I'm not out here making your soup every day anymore. I still do all the recipes and the menus, but I'm not, unless someone's out sick, I'm not in your kitchen cooking your food. So I have time to sort of move myself in different directions. And then as far with the nonprofit, we're just sort of doing it not necessarily knowing if we're doing it correctly. I have, luckily, I have an attorney in the family that sort of guides me through making sure that we're doing everything legally, but we just jumped in. We saw a need. We just jumped in and decided this is what we're going to do and this is how we want to help. And yes, I could be probably making a lot more money personally. And I just wanted to be a bigger part of our community. Like everything about the restaurant, I love the hospitality industry. I It was very, 
very important to me if I was going to open something. You said you mentioned you've been into the restaurants and just even the way they're decorated and the people that work there. They look very much like my home where I live. It's nothing fancy, but it's just a very comfortable, cozy atmosphere and welcoming. And we work really hard in every aspect of that, training the people that work for us, finding the right people to work for us. So I feel the nonprofit is just sort of a natural spinoff of it. And of course, I'm sure we don't do everything perfectly, but the bottom line is we're getting the food to the right people. And I'm learning as we go along. I think I was a year in before I knew I had to have a board of directors. (laughs) (laughs) And I was been made aware of that. So we're trying to do the right thing and we're learning as we go along. So I'm intensely interested in you specifically, Jenny, and this is a perfect segue because you had a TED Talk last year called No Experience Necessary, and it sounds like it's the theme of your life. But so I have connected with you through the Build Your Life Resume group, through Jesse Itzler's BYLR group, and what an incredible community that is. But I've watched you do 29029, the Everesting training and doing all of these wild challenges. I think you went to Iceland or Greenland or something, but you are chasing a purpose that is much greater than you. Like you did a one woman show last year and did a comedy with Chase <laughs> Larrabee, who is also on the show. And you yes. I think what's driving me is that I want at the end of this life experience to know I have lived all out, you know, a hundred percent and that I have a son, one son, and I just want that as my legacy of him to know that his mom really didn't waste her time here on earth. So, you know, we mentioned we met through Jesse's class. I mean, Jesse, and I feel like Jesse could be my brother because we think the same way that I am just, I look at the end like it's already happened. Like the Everstein doing that, like, yes, I'm going to do it. Then how all the things that you need to think about, like, how am I going to pay for this? How I'm going to take time off work? All those things come later for me. I see that picture of like what I want and everything else is secondary. (laughs) So I don't know if you're just born that way or what my problem is. Were you always like that? It sounds like you've kind of taken leaps a lot in your life of just saying, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. And we'll figure out the details later. I think become that way till my early 20s, probably when I started to realize I was not immortal, (laughs) that I was mortal. How we all do. You go through your teens thinking you're invincible and then things start happening maybe in your 20s. And I just suddenly wanted to stop messing around. I wanted to get busy living my life and doing the things that I think about. And I just didn't want to just talk about them all the time. I have the tattoo that I don't know, that no zero days tattoo that is a big thing that Jesse talks about. And people ask me about my tattoo all the time. And it's not about like, don't ever slow down and just have no zero days and be productive every day. It just reminds me to be intentional. I just want to be intentional every day. And if that means I'm intentionally going to be in my pajamas and lay in my bed and watch Netflix, that's okay. But I'm deciding, oh, I have no problem relaxing. Don't worry about it. I mean, people do say, you know, whoa, you're doing so much but I really am doing what I want to do. And you try. It doesn't mean there's no fear. There's always fear involved in lots of things, but I'm going to do it anyway, or I'm going to at least try to do the things that I want to do. 
Do you feel like there is a goal or a muse or is it kind of not where the wind takes you, but that sounds like an interesting idea. Let's say yes. Or do you feel like you are working towards some sort of purpose? And now I'm so curious to learn about your son. He's the best Jonah. I don't I miss the Jonah's cafe. I miss Jonah's cafe. Me too. You never know. I don't know if my purpose is just to know that I didn't waste my time here and that I created something that people enjoy. It's not going to change the world maybe, but I love, I truly love what I do. I want people to just come and have a great experience in my restaurants. When we had Cafe Jonah and we had that metaphysical piece upstairs, the bookstore, I just believe that anything is possible. So the more, definitely a very optimistic person. Now, the metaphysical side of things, are you are you kind of woo-woo? I'm kind do you have like woo-woo. crystals? Are you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> You're in the perfect place at Pond City Market with Modern Mystic right downstairs. I went in there. I'm super woo-woo. My son makes fun of me. I'm, yes. <laughs> Not that I'm like live my life by a psychic or anything. Yeah. I just believe in the mystical and I believe that there's lots of possibilities. I wonder, I kind of toggle back and forth. And I think my goal is to blend the spiritual side and the physical side to the practical, pragmatic side. And my, I think my second or third interview ever was with Kelly Knight of Modern Mystic. She's one of the most interesting people I've ever met. And her goal of that whole store is to integrate it and normalize all of that. And I think what's so interesting is there's so much character in Super Jenny and everything that you do and your engagements and your interactions. You are beloved in the community and in the BYLR community. And I'm interested to learn more about how you're serving because you're providing free meals to people who are out of work right now. So we are in a really weird pandemic that you probably never could have predicted in your entire life could happen, especially as a restaurateur that has severely been affected, as well as your employees as well, that um, it's a really scary time. So how are you managing through it? And I'd love to learn more about how you're serving. Sure. Well, first of all, we're extremely fortunate because our model is set up for takeout. So even though the people aren't eating in our restaurant, at least we're set up for takeout. If you're a fine dining restaurant, it's so hard to try to do something other than that. So I've been very fortunate that we are already ready to to sort of change as we need to. We, we're doing several things uh, as far as the service. We're doing our the, the groups for the Zadie soups to get those soups every week, they are even in more need than ever. So even families that aren't involved with the Title I part of the school, they're coming and picking up the soups, taking them directly to families and just going into the neighborhoods and making sure people have food. Because even though the schools are providing mostly the breakfast and lunch, you can go pick it up. It's not that easy. Like you were taking your bus to school before to get your food. So now you've got to figure out how you're going to get to the school if you don't drive or, you know, all those things. So they might not be getting that food. So we're doing that every week. And then we've been really fortunate with Jesse and Sarah, his wife, supporting our free drive-through grocery, which we do every Saturday. I think we, they originally supported four of those, but since then we've gotten a ton of donations. So we're going to continue them. And that's, that was aimed towards the hospitality industry that's out of work, but anyone can sign up that's struggling. So we, every Wednesday, we put out the sign-up list 
like an Eventbrite. It's free and you can claim a bag of fresh food and it's enough for a family of four or four people. And it's all like we're making a dinner entree with salad, all local products, which is helping those small companies like Georgia Grinders Peanut Butter, Fairywood Thicket Jam, Fresh Bread from H&F. We even have local Hope Through Soap doing toiletry packets. So it comes like fresh fruits full of food that you can take home and it's enough for four people or four meals. And we're doing that every Saturday that we give away 300 bags of grocery. Wow. I started signing up for it because I was like, ooh, I'd love to buy that. And then I realized, oh, wait, (laughs) (laughs) this is not for me. (laughs) We should do like a bag like that. You can just buy and we'll bring it to your house. (laughs) I bought a ton. I think I told you. So we're eating all weekend long, courtesy of Super Jenny. So we just place an order for our family. It's been really interesting, obviously cooking home more, but we love the idea of supporting restaurants right now. And I'm wondering, I know this is kind of a grim look, but there is talk of once things open back up, that all the restaurants that maybe 50% of them survive and will ever open back up. And that has to be a really scary spot. So what are your thoughts on that? I just, my heart goes out to the people. I know so many restaurant owners who here in Atlanta that people, I don't know if it's just a common thought that restaurant people have a ton of money or that we're all like loaded, especially the fine dining places. But we, restaurants are very expensive to operate. We're also trying to pay our team, most of us, very well. And there's not a lot of cash hanging around. So yes, it's very true that I'm hoping not at 50% of them won't reopen, but there definitely will be local people that cannot afford to reopen. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I know people that their landlords won't, aren't bending on their rent being due, but it's like, what do you do? I just like, that's why I think everyone, you're seeing all these different programs to help restaurants. Like you can donate money for it to Atlanta Family Meals and they're going to hire restaurants to produce the food. So everyone's just trying to do their part. But I mean, there's no way around it. Not everyone is going to make it because if you don't have a couple months of something, it's hard to even order the food to get, you know, to for your first day. It's intense. And I'm sure everyone's wearing masks and gloves and trying to take as much precaution as you possibly can. It's a really tough gig right now. But I imagine that it has to feel really good to be able to serve and to be able to feed people and to keep your employees employed. And seeing people must be really nice. Now, I don't know what I'd do if I couldn't go to work. It feels really good, but it's tense. It's, I mean, we're having a good time for those hours we're there, but I can tell I was just had a meeting before I met with you today with my manager and CFO saying, I think next weekend I might want to close for the weekend and give those people a break because I'm worried about my team. It's stressful, like to go in every day and we're wearing masks and you're changing gloves often, but it's not easy to cook over an open flame wearing a mask. And there's lots of different things. It's sort of stressful for them, even though they're happy to be working and we all need to work. So we definitely are thinking about like, let's take a pause and just give everyone a break. We're already like, it's not going to make or break us now. So we're hanging in there, but it's not, it's stressful. So how can we support restaurants? Are gift cards, are those a viable option as well as takeout and curbside and tip well and all of those things? 
I think like, yes, I think anything is supportive. I think gift cards Mm -hmm. are great. I know people are concerned, well, what if that business goes under? So you just have to be aware if you're buying a gift card, you're just helping. And if you get to use it later, that's awesome. (laughs) If they come back, it's just all going to help their bottom line or to pay the employees for now. And then hopefully you'll get to use it. For me, I'm trying at least twice a week. I order online to restaurants to limit my local favorite people that I'm just trying to help them. People told me today that they were calling like where they normally get their hair done and ordering their shampoos or whatever they would normally buy there to see instead of ordering off Amazon. Like I think those are all little things that I might not think about normally, but that would probably help them. That's a great idea. As I spent 10 minutes this morning spray painting the grays out of my hair, (laughs) I'm like in every four weeks uh, color girl. So it's severely impacted. Yeah. So how can you, anything you can do once a week, I'll send a package to someone else. Like yesterday I drove around in my car and just gave out turkey chili to random people, which made me feel great. I, you know, if you're having a bad day to just go do something nice for somebody and they didn't necessarily, they could afford their own food, but just the thought that someone brought them a quarter of turkey chili and a note, I think anything you can do to show kindness to anyone right now is so important. I think what the best part or what my favorite part of this whole thing is the amount of kindness and humanity that's come out is just something to behold and makes me hopeful for when we get out that maybe, maybe, maybe we might be better off together. It's been a really divided world recently and I'm hopeful. I don't know. I just love how people are serving others. And one of them is you. And I'm curious, uh, what is next for you? What is next for Jenny? Well, when everyone can leave their house, (laughs) I'm like, I'm a big travel person. So this is really bothering me that I can't go anywhere. But next for me, I'm going to be very happy when we can get back to community. And that's part of who we are is to serve the community and have you come and eat a meal with us, not just get it to go. So I'll be very happy for that. Uh, And we're going to, we haven't stopped planning. We're looking if we want to open something else and where. Oh, poor Ford. Do you know how hard it is to get a regular healthy salad in Old Fourth Ward in all of these restaurants that are here? I know. You never know. So Um, now that I live over here, I'll be looking around. So we're looking at that. We're hoping that we're going to get into the airport. We're sort of in that realm of bids for the airport. I've been looking to open something down on 30A and sort of put that off. Mm. So we're going to continue, you know, not grow too much because I really don't want to franchise or, you know, I just like that I have my hands on it and that I'm still, I want to touch it, each aspect of it. So I just feel once you franchise, it's really hard to keep the authenticity authenticity of how it started. And it really just started from me wanting to cook for people like you were coming to my house. So that's why the menu still changes every day. It's really, I'm still doing the menu. of This is what I think people might want this week because the weather's changing or it's really that authentic. Might not be that professional, but very authentic. <laughs> Are you very creative? Because it sounds like you can create in the kitchen or even these menus of figuring out what people want. I think I'm creative. I love food. I love all the different ideas and ethnicities of cuisine. So that's why I like to do all different kinds of things when you see our menus. But I'm also trying to feed the masses. So I don't want it to be too boring or too crazy. So I try to get somewhere in the middle of what I think people that want to eat healthy will enjoy, which is a lot of 
vegetables and, you know, plant forward cooking with some proteins added at the end. Do you do shipping? People that listen all over the world. Do I do that? Could they order super shipping? Oh, shipping. We don't yet because I've tried it before and with on dry ice and it just wasn't the best way for us. It wasn't working well, but you never know. Yeah. It could become I spend a lot of time down there. My family oh. has an apartment and I think they don't have a lot of healthy food and it's at the beach. So what a great place just to be able to get some great healthy takeout down there. I know that would be amazing. And 30A is one of my favorite places too. I'll just follow Super Jenny. What's your favorite soup? I What's am, your favorite? well, I love anything vegetarian. So even though I'm not vegetarian, uh, we have our super power green soup. That's probably my favorite. It's all green vegetables with vegetable stock pureed. And then I just put a vegetable soup, immunity soup out on that BYLR page and it turned out really good. You should try it. It's all anti-inflammatories, mushrooms and turmeric, ginger, garlic, vegetable stock uh, and spinach. It's really good. Do you offer recipes? Like, do you have recipes published? We, I have three different cookbooks. So we've got three cookbooks you can get on our website or in the stores. And then I'll put, we have a blog on the website. So I'll throw up recipes as I'm playing around at home. I'll link it up on the show notes. Okay. Of this. So yeah. yeah. Jenny, thank you. This is amazing. I'm so grateful for the time and uh, you are so fascinating. And by the way, your TED talk was amazing. What was the response like for that? You know, people were so wonderful. And I don't know if you watched it till the end when I gave my phone number out. They didn't have that on, well, you said your email. Oh no, no, my email. You're right. My- when I said to reach out to me and I got, I had a lot of people reach out and ask questions. So it was, you know, that had been on my vision board from the year before that I wanted to do a TED talk. So I was really happy to be able to get up there and do it. Oh, I love it. You're a great speaker. You are so dynamic. (laughs) You come alive on stage. It's obvious you belong on stage. (laughs) Thank you very much. Jenny, be well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and for being a culture changer and for all the ways you serve in Atlanta and beyond in the BYLR community. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're awesome. Jenny's spirit is infectious, isn't it? And not like COVID-19 infectious, but like joyful infectious. And I want to support every restaurant I can. And this conversation really made me consider how I can make a bigger impact as we navigate this new world together. Please subscribe to my blog, Sticky Notes at allisonhair.com and connect with me in the show notes and let me know your thoughts. Right This Way is available everywhere you listen to podcasts and more. Streaming on Salesforce Radio and on Decatur FM. And if you haven't already, I hope you subscribe to my podcast, leave a five-star rating and review. It helps people find me and really helps me shape future episodes that will only get better with your input. Culture changing is really a movement, but only works when the ideas are shared. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.